Okay, so tonight we're going to be learning Os Ayin and the Sefer Reish Milin from Rav Avram Yitzvah Kokmein Kok, And like we said, really starting from Os Mem, which comes after the Os Lamed, Os Mem represents the second half of Sefer Reish Milin, where the transition from the infinitude of the Os Aleph transitions into the second stage of creation which begins to have a relationship with otherness, which begins to have a relationship with human beings who are going to occupy the space of creation. From Osmem and onwards, we're already dealing with things as they leave the realm of the infinite, still within the hand of God, still within the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as he's giving over this co-op, this potential of being. Yet from Mem down to Tuf, which are the Osios Mace, because it's dead in relationship to the osios of Aleph to Lamed, which are Kale, which are a name of God. But Mem to Tuf is the fallenness, is the beginning of actual separation. Like we saw by the Os Mem, it was the Klaliut HaKol, it was the Chachma, and then the Nun were the Nune Hayam, the fish that emerged in their particularity, in their individual Pratiyut, from within the Klaliut HaKol, from within the universality of everything. And the Osamech, which we saw was associated with the Butzina, the Cardinusa, the paradoxical act of limitation that contains within itself a residual light of the infinite. So it's a limitation that doesn't actually impress any form of limitation, but it's the beginning stages of limitation. And now we arrive at the Ayin. Now the Ayin and the Pei, as we're going to see, are the beginning of human beings interacting, the Neshama interacting on a certain level with the Metzius, with the world that HaKadosh Baruch has created for them. Now, Ayin, the I, vision, for Rav Kook is fundamental. And one of the Ramazim, one of the Simanim to that, is the fact that, historically speaking, Rav Kook, Rav Avram Yitzchak, HaKohen Kook, Spusia Genalinu, has been referred to as Hara'aya, which can also be spelled out as Ri'iya. Because for Rav Kook, everything was a vision. Rav Kook had a vision of Paliyut. Rav Kook had a vision of idealism. Now, that wasn't a, a given in his Chug. In the Chug Hara'aya, there was another student, the Nazir HaKadosh, Rav David Kohn, who wrote Kol HaNavua, The Voice of Prophecy. And Rav David Kohn argued with his Rebbe on a certain level. He, he felt very connected to his Rebbe, but he argued with his Rebbe. And he didn't think that the Ayin, he didn't think that vision or Ri'ya was the most significant sense in terms of spirituality and religious experience. He felt that it was the auditory experience, the kol hashemi, the, the sound of the experience of spirituality, and he wrote an entire sefer on it, a, a dissertation of sorts, kol hanivua, a holy dissertation, where he goes through the beginning of Jewish philosophy as it's born out of its, you know, out of the, the cage that the Greek Assyrians had placed it within. It's the emergence of this auditory nature of Jewish experience, to the point that even learning a daf gemara or varen lichtenstein um, Sefer Tzadik Lebracha writes in a review of Kol Hanavua that I love this Sefer very much, I love the holiness of the Nazi very much, but according to him, anytime a Jew sits down and learns Daf Yomi, they're engaged in the prophetic experience. And and the Nazir HaKadosh would have nodded his head and said, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm trying to say. The Nazir felt that hearing the auditory sense was the most important sense in spirituality, but Rav Kook felt that it was vision. Now, either way we look at it, the Ayin is going to be deeply related to vision. The ayin is going to be deeply related to the concept of seeing spirituality. Now, we're still not talking about a sensual seeing where we're actually perceiving anything, but it's still the neshama's perception. Because again, only by tough 
does the world actually manifest itself in the malchus, the malchus, the asiya, in the lowest realms of creation? By, by the os ayin, we're still elevated from the material limitations of existence, yet it, it's already the experience or the preparatory stage where the neshama begins to see that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created. Now, two hakdamos are necessary in order to understand what Rav Kook is saying with regards to the os ayin. Both of these hakdamos, I can actually say, are, are nearly certainly actual influences on Rav Kook. We're going to be reading from the Ramchal, and we're going to be reading from Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver, the Talmud Muvhak of the Vilna Gon in Kabbalah, at least, along with Rav Menachem and the Mishklav. Now, both of these sources, it's clear, and there's a lot of research done on it and wonderful articles that have been written on it recently about the influence that Rav Yitzhak Isaac Chaver had on Rav Kook in terms of Kabbalah. Again, Rav Kook, like we spoke about in the introduction, was a hybrid of sorts. He was an attempt to unify the, the Zerem of Hasidus, the Zerem of Kabbalah as seen through Chabad lens of the Alter Rebbe and the Mittler Rebbe, which came from his mother's side, as well as the Lithuanian Kabbalah that he experienced, A, by learning with the Leshem Shubba when he was a young rabbi, and B, from his father's side. So, like Rav Kook says in a certain letter, he says that the Achris Hayamim, at the end of days, that the conversation between the Vilna Gon and the conversation between the Baal Shem Tov at the end of days in the pre-Messianic era is going to be beneficial for the world. So it's very clear that he was influenced by Hasidus as well as Rav Yitzchak And his relationship with the Ramchal, Rav Moshe Chaim Litzato, is obvious to all. And the Nazir HaKadosh and Kol spends the last 10 pages or so of his Sefer basically explicating the fact that Rav Kook simply came to renew and enliven the project of the Ramchal. And, and the Nazir HaKadosh spent a lot of his time trying to show how Rav Kook's Kabbalah and Rav Kook's theosophy on a certain level was inspired by the Ramchal. Now, the first introduction we're going to look at from the Ramchal, in, I'm using the Sefer Das Tunos, which is really the Ramchal's philosophical explication of his mystical project, Again, one of the sperm that the Ramchal was forced to write because of the historical situatedness he found himself in, he wasn't allowed to speak Kabbalah explicitly. He wasn't allowed to write in Aramaic anymore. It was post-Sabbateanism, and there was a big isnagdus against the Ramchal. Ramchal had his sperm burnt, the same way Rav Cooks, Galeno, had his sperm burnt in Yerushalayim. Now, the Ramchal in Das Tvunos talks about an idea, and there could be 20 sources to quote from this, but we're going to be looking at the Lashon in, in Das Tvunos. The Ramchal describes two fundamental Hanhagos, two modes of governance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses when engaging and interacting with creation and with humanity and with the Jewish people in particular. Now these two Hanhagos, these two modes of governance, are a binary split that can basically sum up everything from the beginning of history towards the end of history. Ramchal refers to these two hanhagos, these two modes of governance as hanhagas hamishpat, the, the mode of judgment and justice, the hanhagas hayichud, and the mode or the, the method of unity. Now hanhagas hamishpat for the Ramchal is going to be the mode of governance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses based on scharva onesh, on good and bad, on tov vera on permissible and not allowed, on good actions and negative actions, on scarba onesh, on punishment 
and reward, on bechira, on the ability of the human being to engage in actual volitional avoda based on the apparent duplicity that reigns supreme in the realm of hanhagas hamishpat, in the realm of mishpat, where the person has bechira and the world appears to be devoid of a unifying factor. That is the hanhaga, that is the typical mode that HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilizes in this world to engage with history, to engage with reality, which really answers up the main, you know, theodicy question that the Ramchal may have been dealing with, which is why is there apparent evil in the world? And the answer is very simple. In order for there to be Bechira, that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to run the world according to Hanhagas HaMishpat. That's going to be, Kabbalistically speaking, associated with the partzuf of Zer Anpin, like we discussed in Osvav, the partzuf with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu engages in the world of Zchar Onesh, Tov Vira, Kosher and, and Asur, um, Kosher and Pasul, the six different experiences that a person can engage in, of Chol and Shabbos, of darkness and light. But the other Hanhaga, the second Hanhaga that HaKadosh Baruch Hu utilizes in order to run the world and ensure that the world arrives at its teleological end in the Messianic era and the advent of Mashiach and Yosef and Mashiach and David and the seventh millennia and the eighth millennia of the Hule Hule, the Ramchal speaks about the Hanhagas HaYichud. Hanhagas HaYichud is basically the autopilot that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed within the world that ensures that in spite of the fact that human beings function in the realm of good and bad and mishpat, Nevertheless, history is ensured to arrive at its teleological and intended point because underneath the Bechira and underneath the apparent duplicity, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is tamid engaged in a unification and a unity of the world itself. That Haragas HaYichud is where HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, in spite of the fact that there is Bechira and Tovara and Hester and Ha'elem and negativity for the sake of Bechira, nevertheless, underneath it all, there is a Haragas HaYichud, there is a unity that ensures that every part of existence, even that which appears to be fundamentally removed from or and good and appears to be negative and raw and, and terrible, both on a Kaliyut level and on a particular level in our daily lives. Hanhagas HaYichud is the, the mode of governance with HaKadosh Baruch who is not Mitzamsim himself, where Hashem says, I am going to release my full power. I am going to show that the world is nothing but my plaything. Now, the Ramchal shows how history is a battle, if you will, between Hanhagas HaMishpat and Hanhagas HaYichud. Or the parts of Avzer Anpin, the small face, and the parts of Arich Anpin, the long face, which is associated with Hanhagas HaYichud. Now it's important for us to understand, and Rav Kook is going to make this very clear, that although it appears that these two modes of governance, of Zer Anpin and Arich Anpin, of the small countenance, the small face, which is representative of negativity and anger, and the elongated face, which is representative of rachamim and mercy and a vision beyond tov and ra, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at the Jewish people and says, in spite of the fact that you're guilty according to Mishpat, I'm going to look at you from a lens of rachamim rabim, like Rabbi Nachman speaks about so often. Although these appear to be duplicitous, and although these appear to be binary modes of engagement, in truth, both are operating perpetually at the same time. It's not that there's Hanhagas HaMishpat and then all of the destruction and negativity arises out of Hanhagas HaMishpat and then eventually Hashem will reveal Hanhagas HaYichud, but rather simultaneously speaking within Hanhagas HaMishpat, within that which appears to be the mundane functionality of a world that is split up between good and bad, 
underneath it all, in, in, in the interiority of it all, there exists a yichud, a unity, which is pregnant and, and latent within all of history, which stands to be revealed in the future. So that's going to be the introduction for the Ramchal in Das Tfunos. And, and, and the second Hakdama that I want to look at is from the base Olamim, which is Rav Yitzhak Isaacover's parish on the Ijarabah. Now, Rav Yitzhak Isaacover, again, was a, a, a very lengthy author. He wrote multiple Kabbalistic Svarim. He wrote Afikei Mayim. He wrote Pisvei Sha'arim, which is a very important Hakdama to the Arizal and Yitzchayim. Beis Olamim is a parish on Ijarabah. Beis Olamim is a parish on one of the more fundamental aspects of the Zohar HaKadosh. Now, in the Ijarabah, there's a Lashon, and the same is true with regards to the Ijarzuta, there are tikkunim, there are rectifications, there are modes of governance that come from whatever this means, us from the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Anthropomorphically speaking, there are certain tikkunim, there's the Chotem of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's the Meitzach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's the Peh of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's the Oznaim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and all of these orifices, all of these tikkunim represent different modes of engagement within existence and within the world. Now, the Ijaraba goes at length to discuss the, the tikkunim of the Enayim. And there's an interesting stira that Rav Yitzhak Isaacover brings out. I'm going to read it out loud. He says, Hakushyep Shuta. There's a very simple question. Shanirim Haksuvim Soitrim. There seems to be a contradiction within the Psukim. V'chein Hikshu Medrash, And the Medrash also asks this question. Shalapa'amim Omer Ayin Hashem. Most of the time, the Pesukim say, the eye of God. Shehu chad ena, which is one eye. Ulepa'amim omer ene Hashem, shehem bezen ayim. And then other times, the Pesukim say that there are two eyes of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Ulazem metaretz, and the Ijarabah comes to answer over here, loikasha, it's not a kasha, why? Because habizer anpin, when the Pesuk says there are two eyes, two ways of a Kaddish Baruch Hu to look at the world, good and bad, light and darkness, tov and ra, schus and chova, bechira and yidia, scharva onesh, the duality of being, the binary oppositions of things, two eyes, two ways of looking at things. So lokasha, that's talking about zeranthin, that's talking about hamhagas mishpat when HaKadosh Baruch runs the world under the guise of scharva onesh. And when it talks about ayin echas, when it talks about one eye of unity, that's arach anpin, which is the hamhaga of yichud, where Everything is unified and everything is moving towards the same purpose, Shabbatika Kadisha. Huchad Eina. In Atika Kadisha, in Erech Anpin, it's only one eye. And he goes on to say at length that Hanagas Hamishpat is going to be two eyes when we talk about the Einayim of Akadish Prabhu, that when Hashem looks at the world and when a person looks at the world, on a certain level, there's always a duplicity at play. There's always two ways of looking at things, good and bad. And anytime we disclose any good, there's also a secondary level of bad that can negate the good. Or Schar is mediated by Onesh, or Yediyah, or the foreknowledge of Akadish Prabhu, which negates our own volitional actions, is, is, is negated by the Bechira. That's going to be the duplicitous and binary mode of Hanagas HaMishpat, of the two eyes of Zer Anpin. But there's also a level of Hanagas HaYichud, of the one eye, the singular eye, the unitary eye, which sees everything in the light of the true nature of existence, which is the Hanagas HaYichud, which is the Hanaga of Arach Anpin, the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachamim, the Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Bachanan, the fact that even though it appears that there is a Hashem before the Chet and a Hashem after the Chet, in reality, they're both rooted in the same unification, in the same Hanagas HaYichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
Now, with that introduction, with the fact that there are two modes of governance that HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses to engage in the world, and secondly, that these two modes of governance are represented in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that there can be a dual mode of vision, of good and bad, of seeing things in a negative way or a positive way, a light way or a dark way, and underneath that duplicitous mode of vision, which appears to make the world a separate and fragmented existence, there's the singular eye, there's the singular vision, which sees everything in its plaliut and its universality, and recognizes that both good and bad, both tov and ra, both kosher and usher, both schar and onish, both yidiyah and bechira, are contained within the fundamental unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which remains unfeasible and irrational until the coming of Mashiach and until, until the disclosure of Yichud itself. Now, on to the words of Rav Kook. And I think in Osayin, Rav Kook is more specific in each word than I've seen in some of the other letters, that each word really can demands an explication and an understanding that would take much longer than we actually have. Rav Kook says as follows. He says, Hatsiurim Dahamusagim the images or the depictions and the musagim and the topics and the concepts, after their enclosure within their boundaries and their circle, after their support within the limits and the boundaries of their essence, after the limitation, they allow their light and their vision and their essential light that is contained within them to manifest into, into actuality. So Rav Kuki here is very clearly connecting the Osayin to the Osamach that preceded it. In Osamach, we saw the smichat ha-mitziyut. We saw the limitation and the boundedness of creation and, and the measure and the limiting nature, and the din, and the gvul, and the gvura, which says ad kan tavo, not to let one thing melt into the other, but rather to allow each thing to reify itself in a fundamental individualized pratiyut, so that each thing remains separate from its other, which was the ostensible gvura that HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed into the world, which is the birthplace of din and separation, yet at the same point allows for creation to play itself out, that only after the Samach, only after the limitation of creation, can Mitzius, can particular existence, allow their light to emerge so that human beings can engage with them. Now, I'm not going to read it inside, but this is remarkably close to something Rabbi Nachman says in Torah Ayin Vav in the Kutamaran, as well as in Torah Yud Gimel Ostalid, where he describes the nature of vision. And for Rabbi Nachman, vision was a fundamental mode of experience, and there are multiple Torahs and ideas regarding vision, and, and, and seeing things properly and seeing the person's self properly. But Rabbi Nachman describes that that vision makes a vessel, that seeing something allows us to actually measure it. Before it's seen in a certain solipsistic type of philosophical outlook, before something is seen, it is devoid of measure, it is devoid of particularity, it is devoid of gevura, it is devoid of the measurements that allow it to become a thing. Only when I actually look at something in a very Kantian way, and Rav Yitzhakar quotes Immanuel Kant actually in a number of the Svarim, so we see that his philosophical outlook finds its place within the Kabbalistic view of Rav Kook and Rav Yitzhakar Zakhar But only when we see something, only when we perceive something through our own vision, through our own ocular mode of engagement, 
Do we minimize things and do we place things within time and measurement? So vision itself is what allows us to engage with things. Prior to being seen, the thing exists in a certain infinitude, devoid of time and space, and vision allows it to form into a particularized essence. And Rav Cook is going to say this explicitly. He says, only after the limitation, only after their minimalization and their limitation within the gvulim can their light actually emerge. Can the light of particular existence actually emerge? As ha'ayin haroa yotzees me machovo. Only then does the seeing eye emerge from within its hiding place. The ha'ri'iyah b'chol gvaneha and vision in all of its different hus and all of its different colors matchila l'poyel as pu'ulasa. Only after the limitation that allows for there to be an emergence and a formation of particularized and individualized and separate existence, only then can vision actually begin to act where we see something and we engage with it and we try and understand it. Now Rav Cook is going to describe the fact that the Os Ayin for Rav Cook is going to be a bottom boundary. I forgot to print out a picture of it. It's going to be a bottom boundary. And then the two lines that jut out of that bottom boundary are going to be a Zion on the one hand and a Vav on the other hand. And this is according to the Beis Yosef, according to various Rishonim, with regards to how the Os has to look. Rav Kook here is going to describe the simple fact that the Ayin, vision, the letter that represents vision, always contains with it a binary of modalities. The Zion, which, if we remember correctly, represents the Zayne Hanochama, the weapons that are necessary to wage the battles against negativity of the Machatz de Chakla, of the threshers of the fields who come to engage in Kedusha and Ruchnias. And on the other side, there's going to be the Vav, which is the Mesha Chachayim, the drawing forth of life, the Vavei Chachibor, the Vavei Ha'emudim, which show us the connectivity between one thing and the other. So the ayin is always already going to be in this binary mode of opposition between the need to fight against negativity on the one hand of the zayin, of the zayin machama, and on the other hand, the vav, which are its representative of the drawing down of life, of a positive vision. And the eye itself contains both capacities because, again, the eye can operate on two levels. It can operate on the level of duplicity, which sees good and bad and darkness and light, or it can operate on the lofty level of the eye, the Ayin Echad of Arach Anpin, the one eye which sees unity. Here, of Cook is saying that the Ayin, at least at its beginning stages of vision, always engages with the broken, duplicitous nature of existence itself, the Zion and the Vav that make up the Ayin. And Rav Cook continues and he says, The drawing down of life that is representative of the Vav and and the strength of protection and the strength of war and battle that is representative of the Zion. And here of Cook is saying, And here of Cook is telling us that the Vav and the Zion, these two oppositional trends of seeing negativity in the world and needing to fight against it and seeing positivity in the world and needing to draw it down, those are not unified at their source here in their ideal level. We're not talking about the eye of Arachantin. We're not talking about the singular eye of Hanhagas Hayifah yet. We're still talking about the duplicitous mode of vision, which sees binary oppositions in the world, which sees good and bad, which sees darkness and light, which sees schus and chova. And here, they're not unified in their ideal sense, but rather at the basisa tachtati that the Zion and the Vav only connect at their bottom fundamental manifestation within existence, 
which Rav Kook is using to show us that there's a need for both modes of functionality within the world, the Zion of negativity and the Vav of positivity. They're not unified here in their ideal sense of Arach Anpin, where they become one eye of the Hanhagas HaYichud, but rather they need to manifest within the duplicitous and double nature of the eyes of Hanhagas HaMishpat. And Rav Kook continues and he says something amazing. He says, Hashlila shehi zayre. But on the one hand, the Zion is representative of the, neg- the negation that the eye is, is, is engaged in in the world, of looking at that which we're not supposed to look at and saying that this is not for me, looking at the negativity of the world and pushing it away, looking at the fallenness of our rutzon and our maisim, and recognizing the brokenness of it all, yet at the same point fighting against it with the Zion HaMelchama, the recognition of the fallenness of creation, the fallingness of existence, and the need to say things are pessimistic, things are negative. It's a koyach hashlila, and the Zion, the Zion HaMelchama, serve to push it away. Umitzar hashenim, from the second side, ha'afna hachiyuvit shalam the positive assertions that we make and the affirmative statements that we engage in when we look at the world, and in spite of the fact that it appears negative, in spite of the fact of the brokenness and the need for weapons and the military opposition against the negativity in our lives, the right eye still sees and says things are positive. It's Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Olam, like Rav Shagar says in the name of Rav Kuk, and Rav Kuk says in Olas Ra'ayah, that Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Olam is an affirmation, it's a saying yes to the world. It's looking at the world and in spite of the drive towards pessimism, in spite of the drive towards shlilatakol, the negation of everything that's associated with the Zion, we still say yes to the world. We have a re'iyah chiyuvit. We still decide and choose to say yes to the world and see positive within the world. The, the enayim represent these two modes of vision. In the Hanhaga Samishvat, there are always two ways of looking at things. There's the shlut, the negative pessimistic outlook, and the chiyuvit, and the positive affirmation of the world, of Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Olam, of blessed is he who spoke and made the world, that in spite of historical failures and in spite of the darkness that abounds within the world, there's still an affirmative gesture, an affirmative utterance, which is saying yes to the world through the right eye of vision, which is in opposition to the left eye of vision. Both of them find support for their legs in the limitation and the boundary on the bottom side, at the bottom of the ayin. To prevent the darkness from arising. To prevent the full descent into negativity. To prevent us from falling deeply into the abyss. The abyss of chaos and destruction. Into the abyss of separateness and scatteredness. And over here of Cook is it's an amazing word, but avak means dust and the dustiness, if you will, of the world. The scattered nature of the avak that scatters into, into a million pieces of nothingness. Rav Cook here is saying that the duplicitous vision, the hanhagas mishpat the Scharva Onesh, the good and bad, the Tovara, the Choshech and Or, the, the Chova and the Schus, the, the negative side of history and the positive side of history, those two fundamental modes of engagement, as long as we're still functioning within the Hanhagas HaMishvat that the Ramchal spoke about, they need that Basis HaTachtiti, they need that fundamental blockage 
to prevent them from falling down into the depths of tohu and despair. Because Rav Kook understood very well that if a person is operating according to the duplicitous vision of Hanhagas HaMishpat, it's all too easy to fall into Kilion. It's all too easy to fall into Tohu. All a person has to do is read the diaries and the personal Pinchasim of Rav Kook, especially Chadarav, to understand that simultaneous to his joy and spiritual ecstatic states, there was a, a marirut, a, a holy brokenness, a holy shverkeit and sabrachenkeit, as the Mitlarev would say, and Rafael Parachar would say, a holy brokenkeit and a tornness that he refers to about himself in his autobiographical writings that is present. Rav Kook was not removing his vision from the negativity in the world through his idealism. Rather, his idealism was was suffused with the recognition of the negativity, which is why his idealistic outlook still exists nowadays, which is why it means anything nowadays. It doesn't negate the negativity. It rather makes room for the negativity and says, okay, we're still going to deal with this, but we're still going to see things positively. The Zion and the Vav, the Shlilut and the Chiyuvit, the negativity and the positivity, the, the positive outlook of Or and the negative outlook of Choshech, both of those need to be supported by the Basis HaTachtiti in order to ensure that they don't descend into the realms of chaos and destruction. Here, Rav Kook is now going to hint to us about the Hanhagas HaYichud, about the singular eye of Erech Anpin, and how it attaches itself to the duplicitous vision and the dual modes of seeing that are associated with the Schar and Onesh of Hanhagas HaMishpat and Zer Anpin. Rav Kook says as follows, he says, Heim Heim HaGormen, the limitation of existence, the formation of existence as it descends out of the universality of the Osmem into the particularity of the Osnun, and finally at the resting place and the Gvul of the Osamech, that is that which causes vision to emerge and actually engage in practical engagement. And the generalized vision, the generalized vision here is going to be representative of the Hanhagasayichut, the Ayin Echad, the one eye, the Ayin Hashem, which sees everything in spite of its duplicitous nature, in spite of its opposition to one another, HaKadosh Baruch sees everything in its unity. This universal vision, this Re'iyah HaKlalit, the singular eye which sees everything and sees no bad in the world, the Tov Ro'i of, of David HaMelech, who was capable of looking at things that seemed Ra and revealing that they were really good, as HaKol Hiroa, it sees everything. It sees the Hanhagas HaMishpat and the Hanhagas HaYichud. It sees the good and the bad. It sees the suffering and the joys. Kel Roi, like the Pasuk says in Bereshis, after the birth of Yishmael, that Avram Avinu says, Kel Roi, the God of my vision, that God is associated with this universal vision of singular seeing, which contains opposites within itself. Hakol Mutzak, Hakol B'diyuk, Everything is measured and everything is specific. That which appears to be outside of the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that which appears to be within the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, both of them are specific and essential within the Hanhagas HaYichud, within the universality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chol HaAmada V'chativuyut, in all of its standing and all of its collective nature, that the Tov and the Ra, the Vav and the Zion need to fight against the world and the ability to say, the world is good, both of them form together in the unity of Hanhagas HaYichud. Lo tasig yad hakilyon The hand of destruction of practicality is not strong enough to destroy Hariyah, the vision. And here I want to say that Rav Kuk was mitnaveh, Rav Kuk and Ruch HaKodesh, because he's referring to himself that Yad HaKilyon is not able l'chached es Hariyah. It can't destroy the vision, but we can also see that as lo l'chached es Hariyah. 
but the hand of destruction of practicality cannot destroy the vision of Ra'aya Rav Avamitzah HaKohen Kuh. Habihiraha koleles, the shining and collective vision of Hanhagas Yifud that contains everything within it. Shachol hapratim balchayim chayim esanim benotzim baosher bhikusam. That everything that is contained within that vision, the good and the bad, the bav and the zayin, the choshach and the or, the mishpat and the yichud, the schar and the onish, the bechira and the yedia, the chova and the sfus, the negativity and the positivity, the pessimism and the optimism. All of those are contained within the unified vision of the Ayin Haroah, the Ayin Hashem of Arach Anpin, of Asika Kadisha, which stands and is primed to be disclosed through the Or HaTzadik, through Yosef Avdin, from Yosef HaTzadik, who we say that Yosef HaTzadik was not afraid of Ayin Hara, like Rabbi Yochanan, who wasn't afraid of being handsome, because Anadizabad Yosef Ka'atina, the Eina Shabtaba Eina Bisha, that I am from the descendants of Yosef HaTzadik, who was above and beyond the eyes of seeing bad who only operated according to a vision of good, who was able to see the good and the bad and say, everything is good, everything is part of the Yichud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And to end very quickly, and two students, uh, not a, one student and one friend of Rav Kook, Rav Yitzhak Kutner and the Chazonish, Rav Yitzhak Kutner quotes this in Purim, and he says that, Ra'isi Pinkas Echad may Bal Yisurin Echad, I saw this in the notebook of somebody who suffered, and what he was referring to was the Chazonish, who suffered greatly in the Chazanish and one of his igros, when talking about the Gemara Pesachim, which states that nowadays we still operate according to the Hanagas of Mishpat, of duality, of duplicity. So we say, Hatova HaMetiv on good news and Barach Dayanemes on bad news. But in the future, when there's a revelation of unity, all there's going to be is Barach Hatova HaMetiv. And the Gemara asked, And nowadays this is not one, it is one. It's the Yichud of Hashem. And the Gemara continues and says, it is one, but we still have to make a bracha on both. Now, the, the Chazonish has a Lashon where he says, Ein shum tsar or There is no pain, there is no suffering to the one who recognizes the light of lights. And the way Rav Hutner explains this, and I believe that he received this from Rav Kook, he famously said that without Rav Kook, you would be missing half of the spiritual presence that there are two ores in the world, there are two lights, there are two modes of vision in the world, of ocular-centric experience, of the primacy of vision. There's the ore of the Tova Metiv and the ore of Baruch Dayanemes. Somebody who recognizes the unity of those two oros and recognizes that both oros are contained within the unified light of Orha Oros, of the Ayin of Arachanpin, doesn't experience Sar, recognizes that everything is unified. Next week, Pastor Hashem, we're going to see how the Ayin leads to the Peh, and how vision allows us to emerge within language. And then, towards the end of the Alephis, all of the letters are going to be engaged with the human being's exposure and experience with the creation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created.